Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's going on, Islanders Nation? My name is David Lazar, and I am the host of the newest blue and orange podcast, Believe in Islanders. You may know me from my time covering the team for the New York Post and as the owner of Drive for Five, but if not, it is a pleasure to meet you and to start this journey together. As the Islanders embark on their Drive for Five, you won't need to look anywhere else for your dose of all things Isles, so buckle up and enjoy the ride. And what a ride it has been and what a ride it will continue to be. The Islanders are a franchise defined by many ups and many downs. And right now, New York is on a high. Since winning four consecutive Stanley Cups in the early 1980s, the Islanders truly haven't seen much sustained success. But right now, with Barry Trotz and Lou Lamarillo leading the way, they are in for a treat. The Islanders are Stanley Cup contenders once again. They are potentially the favorites in the NHL this year. And now it all comes down to the 2021-22 NHL season. Because by the end of it, the Islanders are hoping they will be hoisting Lord Stanley. But they wouldn't be in that situation without a successful offseason. And to start the first episode of Believe in Islanders, we are going to analyze it all. Long Island is my home and it'll always be my home. Um, there's nowhere else I wanted to be. And like you said, I want, I want to retire an Islander. Uh, I'm thrilled. Uh, obviously, it was uh, a place I wanted to be. And I think the belief was that uh, that, that was mutual. So um, I, I had a good feeling it was going to work itself out, and um, I'm really excited to, to be a part of this organization. There's nowhere else I'd rather play, and um, you know I feel like there's unfinished business in the past uh, couple of years that we uh, we haven't really accomplished our goal. So it's uh, it's exciting to get back, and I'm happy to, to stay on the island for another, another three years. You just heard some clips from Casey Sezikis, Kyle Palmieri, and Anthony Beauvillier describing their love of the New York Islanders and their desire to be with the team long term. Lou Lamarillo locked up all of his important players, and now it comes down to this. The Islanders are going to make a push for it all, and these players will be leading the way. But the Islanders could have gone another direction. They could have gone out and traded for Vladimir Tarasenko. They could have gone out and signed Mike Hoffman. They could have done something else. Instead, they're sticking with their guys, re-signing them long-term, and having them push for what their ultimate goal is. So what we're going to do here is we are going to grade the Islanders offseason. We're going to go through each contract, each extension, and give it a grade. And at the end of it, we're going to give Lou Lamarillo a grade for his entire offseason. So let's get started. And to start us all out, we are going to talk about the first extension that was signed. That was not one of the big four, which includes Kyle Palmieri, Anthony Beauvillier, Ilya Sorokin, and Casey Zekas. The first extension the Islanders signed was actually a little while ago, and that was Adam Pellick. For those of you who do not know, Adam Pellick is one of the best defenders in hockey. One of the best defensemen the league has seen in some time as it relates to pure defense. 
in terms of that side of the game, there are few better than Adam Pellick. He truly has emerged as one of the top guys in terms of shut down defensive hockey. And he was paid handsomely. He signed an eight-year, $5.75 million per year contract to remain with the Islanders. So let's go over it. Kale McCarr, Seth Jones, Zach Rowenski, Darnell Nurse. What do those four names mean to you? Well, they all got over $9 million per season in their recent contract extensions. That is a scary sight if you are the Chicago Blackhawks, the Columbus Blue Jackets, the Edmonton Oilers, and even the Colorado Avalanche, who now have $9 million locked up in one player. Those are high cap hits. And you can argue Pellick is better than three of those guys, Seth Jones, Zach Wensky, and Darnell Nurse. Pellick is the 38th highest paid defenseman in hockey, but he's locked up long-term at an extremely team-friendly contract. And in my opinion, it is one of the best contracts in hockey. And that's because what Adam Pellick provides is something that few others do. He combines with Ryan Pollock to be anchor of this team. Yes, Matthew Barzell's the star. Anders Lee's the captain. Ilya Sorokin and Semyon Varlamov hold down the fort in net, but Adam Pellick is the anchor. He is the defensive stalwart, the man that holds it all together, the man that protects the net, and the man that is symbolic for the Islanders' analytic revolution. And he has been through quite the journey quite the journey. And now it culminates with him signing an eight-year, $5.75 million per year deal. He was crucified by the fan base as a young defender. In the Doug Waite era, he was the scapegoat. He was the guy that fans blamed for the failures. He had a knack for the puck bouncing off him and ending up in the net. I have never seen anything like it. I've never seen a player more unlucky. There was one season where he actually scored more own goals than goals. And fans just had their way with him. They thought he was a bust. They thought that he was a failure and they did not want him on the team any longer. But then Garth Snow protected him in the Vegas expansion draft. The Islanders protected five defensemen that year. That was absolutely wild. And at that moment, in my opinion, it was the symbolic turn of luck for Adam Pellick because he went from someone who was overlooked, someone who no one respected, someone who fans did not like watching play hockey to someone that if Garth Snow could trust with that spot, maybe the fans could trust him too. And he was given more opportunities after that. Once Barry Trotz came in as head coach, sure, Pellick had his struggles. He was benched a few games, but he was immediately trusted as a top guy within the first season of Islanders hockey under Barry Trotz. And he was now arguably one of the most important players on the team in that first season. He was one of the most important players on the team. He shut down Sidney Crosby in the first round in 2019. The Islanders swept the Penguins that year. It was a big reason why Pellick had this analytical and just overall play improve. And Adam Pellick right now is signed until he's 35. He's signed for $5.75 million a year when Kale McCarr, Seth Jones, Zach Rowenski, and Darnell Nurse are signed for over $9 million a year. I think it's very hard to look at this contract and not be impressed. And if I had to grade it, 
I would give it an A+. Let's move on to Kyle Palmieri. Kyle Palmieri got the second biggest contract from the Islanders this offseason. It was a four-year, $5 million per year contract. And this one is not as great as Adam Pellick's because Palmieri recorded 10 goals and 11 assists last season. Four points with the Islanders, two goals, two assists through 17 regular season games. He really struggled, really struggled. Could part of it be a difficult season with the Devils who really weren't doing much? They were losing a lot of games. They were the punching bag of the East Division. Sure. But once he got to the Islanders, he took a little bit of time to emerge as the player that the Islanders needed him to be. His shooting percentage was down. His physicality was down. His scoring knack was down. Kyle Palmieri simply struggled last year. And as an Islanders fan, you have to look down two different avenues here. Why did he struggle? Is it because it was an outlier? Or is it because he is declining as a player? The last time the Islanders signed someone coming off a slightly difficult year, it was Andrew Ladd. And I think we all know which one of those it was for him. He was declining as a player. So Kyle Palmieri, it's not all bad, though, because he scored nine points in the postseason, seven goals, two assists, and his seven goals were tied with Brock Nelson for the team lead. In his first playoff game, he immediately made an impact. He won the game for the Islanders. It was game one in Pittsburgh. He scored his first goal, the first goal of the playoffs for the Islanders to get them on the board. And then he had a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful overtime winner, which was slid right over Tristan Jari from a difficult angle. And the Islanders got a game one win. Without Kyle Palmieri, the Islanders might not win that game. They might not win that series. Who knows what happens? Kyle Palmieri played really well in the playoffs. And he did play really well replacing Anders Lee after the captain suffered a torn ACL in March. Kyle Palmieri emerged as a net fund presence, a leader, a veteran. But now there is a slight dilemma. Kyle Palmieri plays too similar a style to Anders Lee. Anders Lee is the net fund presence. He is the leader. He is the physical player. Kyle Palmieri is very similar. He's gritty. He is a hybrid, in my opinion, between Anders Lee and Cal Clutterbuck. Gritty, gets in the dirty areas, gets in front of the net, has a slight offensive touch where he can get goals from all around the ice, but mainly in front of the net. And he has a shot. He has a good style of play, but it's not something that is going to carry a line. And I think we saw that last year. Palmieri, Matt Barzell, and Jordan Everly was a wonderful top line. When it was given an opportunity, which it rarely was, it frequently scored goals. In fact, at a scary, weird level where almost every time they entered the ice together at a certain point, they were scoring goals. That's not going to happen again this year because Jordan Everly is gone and Anders Lee is back. And what that means is you have Matt Barzell, potentially centered by Kyle Palmieri, and Anders Lee. Those two players will be on the wings and... To be completely honest, they're very similar players. So will Kyle Palmieri shift down to the third line and Oliver Wallstrom gets a promotion? Or will the Islanders roll out a top line that could be a little slow? 
could be a little too physical, a little too centered around the net, and will Matt Barzell struggle because of it? Who knows? But we'll see this season. And also, in my opinion, there's very little need to give an aging 30-year-old winger $5 million a year. I don't think there's a reason to do that. I think that the Islanders felt that there was a reason to do that. I think that they did it because they view Paul Mary as a effective option that was probably better than Jordan Eberle, but I, I disagree. I think that when you have Anthony Beauvillier, Ilya Sorokin, that are in need of contracts, as well as some other guys like Ryan Pollock, who will be up next season, I think that the money's better used extending those players a little bit long-term or going out and adding an outside free agent. So, the Islanders give a 30-year-old winger $5 million a year, and also they trade Jordan Eberle and replace him with Kyle Palmieri. Jordan Eberle was a really good player for the Islanders. He symbolized the Islanders' rise. Once they traded for him, he really helped them turn it around. That was a great trade. Trading Jordan Eberle for Ryan Strom was a steal, and Garth Snow should be commended for it because Jordan Eberle was a true Islander. To trade Jordan Eberle, excuse me, to let him leave in the expansion draft... I think you could have protected Everly, you could have protected Josh Bailey, and you could have let a guy like Cal Clutterbuck and Matt Martin be unprotected because they wouldn't have been claimed, and you potentially lose a Kiefer Bellows or Renato Coivilla, who could be on the move anyway. So, I'm going to be honest. I think the Islanders overthought this one. I think that keeping Jordan Everly would have been the right move. And I think that potentially letting Kyle Palmieri walk or signing him for a slightly cheaper deal would have been the right decision. So the Islanders get a C for this contract. Next up, we have Anthony Beauvillier. The 24-year-old recorded 28 points in 47 games last season with the Islanders. He scored 15 goals, recorded 13 assists. He has 155 points in 333 career games since being drafted 28th overall in 2015. He has been such a pleasant surprise. Along with Matthew Barzell, these two players came in and just really helped the Islanders become a stellar team offensively, they have been two of the best players on the team. And Beauvillier is certainly streaky. But what I like about him is he always steps up. He's always there for the big goal. Last year in the playoffs, who scored the biggest goal? It was Anthony Beauvillier, game six, overtime against the Tampa Bay Lightning. In 2018, who was always scoring the big goals as the Islanders were shocking the world, proving people wrong and emerging as one of the best teams in hockey? Yes, it was Beauvillier against the Maple Leafs in John Tavares' return. It was Beauvillier against the Blue Jackets on December 1st. Beauvillier is such a talented player, and I think that people seem to forget how high his ceiling is. Sure, he regresses to the mean quite often with some streaky play. Sometimes he disappears, and sometimes he doesn't provide the Islanders with everything they need. But I think Beauvillier has the potential to be a top player by the end of his contract. That contract that he signed was three years, $4.15 million per season. That was a great contract for the Islanders. It was exactly what you expected the AAV to come in at. Rumors were it would be around 4 to $4.5 million. 
And it was exactly the term that I think the Islanders wanted. Keep it low. Keep Beauvillier here for the short term. Worry about him when he is a UFA in three seasons. The Islanders, though, lose a little bit here because Beauvillier only gets a three-year extension. He's going to become an unrestricted free agent at just 27 years old. So with him becoming a UFA in just three years, it means he'll likely be getting a raise. If Beauvillier plays like he can, he will likely be a six or seven million dollar per year player at the end of this contract. I look at Timo Meyer. I look at some other young players who had a few good seasons, earned a big raise, and Beauvillier will certainly get that big raise. So I think ideally the Islanders would have gotten Beauvillier signed longer. He's that type of player. He deserves to be here long term. Just for his goal in game six alone, I think Beauvillier deserves to be an Islander for life. So the team, while they have to be conscious of not giving Beauvillier the bank and hurting themselves in the short term to benefit them in the long term because of their cap, I think the Islanders could have given Anthony Beauvillier maybe five years, $5 million per year. Maybe even go up to six, seven, or eight and increase the cap hit slightly. I think if the Islanders gave Beauvillier four or five years increase the cap hit to 4.5 or $5 million a season like Beauvillier wanted, I would have felt a little more comfortable with this contract. However, they got the AAV as low as physically possible. In return, Beauvillier is a free agent in three years. So I give Anthony Beauvillier's contract a B plus. Next up, Ilya Sorokin. If you are an Islanders fan, Ilya Sorokin is representative of this fan base because he was that glimmer of hope. He was that player that every fan wanted. Every fan wanted him. Every fan wanted Artemi Panarin. Every fan wanted John Tavares back. Every fan wanted the big fish every single season. And Ilya Sorokin, when he came over from Russia, it was finally the Islanders getting a win. Finally, the Islanders getting somebody that they can count on, that they can trust, someone who wanted to be an Islander. And he signs a three-year, $4 million per year extension. I like it. I really like it. Because Sorokin, who's 26 years old, it feels like he's younger. He's only been here for now one full season. He should have a long run ahead of him on Long Island. His first season, he put up 2.17 goals against and a 918 save percentage. That is a incredibly successful first season. Say whatever you want, but Ilya Sorokin, after struggling in his first game against the Rangers, after Cal Clutterbuck shot the puck high on Semyon Varlamov in warmups, Sorokin had to come in. He struggled that first game. Almost every single game besides that, Sorokin was wonderful. He helped the Islanders beat the Penguins in the first round. Semyon Varlamov was hurt. He was struggling. Sorokin comes in, wins all four games, gets his own little sweep in that series. And he is such a talented player. In the shootout, you saw his flexibility. He beat the Flyers and, in my opinion, was probably the sole reason that the Flyers could not get any wins against the Islanders because they outplayed them a lot. 
So the Flyers probably should have won five or six games against the Islanders last season. Sorokin was the reason why they only got a couple because he shut them down in three or four games. Sorokin is now locked up for three more years. And I think what you're going to see is at the end of that contract, Sorokin could potentially be one of the best goaltenders in hockey. I think that's pretty fair to say with his talent, with his flexibility, with his athleticism, with his hockey mind, and with his just kindness and just him being a good human being and having a strong work ethic. I think Sorokin, the sky is the limit for him. And it already has been among Russian NHL goaltenders with at least 20 games played. He's first in goals against average, third in save percentage. He and Semyon Varlamov are creating a scary Russian tandem in net, one that is likely the best in hockey. Ilya Sorokin and Semyon Varlamov could lead the Islanders to a Stanley Cup. I think most fans are confident in saying that. And this is the best goalie tandem the Islanders have had. Thomas Grice and Robin Leonard are a slight second, but besides that, it goes all the way back to the dynasty where Billy Smith was leading the way. I think the Islanders now are set up in net more than they ever have been, and this contract is now a big reason why. The only reason I'm docking points here is because it was a slight overpay. The Islanders could have given him maybe three, $3.5 million a year, and also, like Anthony Beauvillier, I do think that Sorokin signed to another few seasons would help the Islanders in the long run. Because think about it. If the Islanders are still competing for a Stanley Cup in three years, Elias Sorokin might walk out of this contract wanting 7 or $8 million a year, and Anthony Beauvillier might want the same. The Islanders are not going to be able to afford that, most likely. And if they sign them to a slightly longer term now, they would have avoided that situation. So if all things go well and the Islanders are playing great hockey and Sorokin and Beauvillier are playing great hockey, they might have a good problem to have in three years. However, you can't look that far. The Islanders had to get the AAV as low as possible due to their salary cap situation. So for all of those reasons, I give this contract an A-. Finally, we have Casey Sezikis. Casey Sezikis is such a good Islander. On the ice, he has a physical style of play. He has a score goaling, a scoring ability. He can just do it all. And I think what fans around the NHL don't realize is that Casey Sezikis is a top five, at the very least a top 10 important player on this team. That fourth line with Matt Martin and Cal Clutterbuck, Sezikis called his two line mates, Matt Martin and Cal Clutterbuck, immediately after informing his family about the deal. That fourth line is a family, a brotherhood, a bond that you rarely see in hockey. Casey Sezikis... When he gets injured, the Islanders aren't the same team. Sezikis and Clutterbuck lead the Islanders' penalty-killing unit. Sezikis had a 61% face-off winning percentage in the playoffs last year and 53% in the regular season. He scored 14 points. He is such an important piece to this team. Signing him, in my opinion, I think you could have afforded to lose Kyle Palmieri. In my opinion, sure, 
Anthony Bovillier is really, really important, but you could have traded him maybe for a bigger fish, a forward or a defenseman. I think the one guy here that you really didn't want to lose was Casey Sezikis because that fourth line is the heart and soul of this team. And Barry Trotz trusts them so, so much. So Casey Sezikis gets a six-year, $2.5 million per year contract. He turned down bigger offers from other teams, including the Kraken, to return to the Islanders. Casey Sezikis is going to be, by the end of this contract, one of the best Islanders of all time in terms of games played, in terms of heart, in terms of soul. Right now, he's currently the fourth longest tenured Islander on the active roster with 590 games played. He's 21st all-time on the franchise games played list. He could be as high as 11th by the end of the 2021-22 season. And by the end of this contract, if he plays... 410 more games, six years times 82, you're in at above 410. If he stays healthy and plays through this contract, he'll hit 1,000 games in the NHL. Casey Sezikis now is locked up long-term. The Islanders got their guy. He turned down bigger deals. He is an Islander. He's going to die an Islander. And for that reason, the Islanders earn an A- for this contract. To summarize, we gave the Islanders an A-plus for Adam Pellick's contract, a C for Kaya Palmieri, a B-plus for Anthony Bovillier, an A-minus for Ilya Sorokin, and an A-minus for Casey Sezikis. All in all, I'm giving Lula Amarillo a B-plus for his offseason. He prioritized older players signing Kyle Palmieri and Casey Sezikis to long-term deals. I like signing Sezikis long-term, keeping the cap hit down when he could have gotten 4 or $5 million per year elsewhere. I like the idea to sign Beauvillier and Sorokin to three years, although I would have liked it to be longer. I like the fact that the Islanders traded Nick Letty. That, in my opinion, was one of the more underrated moves of the offseason just because I think Nick Letty, while talented, while important in Barry Trotz's eyes, if you look at the analytics, if you look at his impact on the ice and you look at how he's aging, I think that he is one of the more replaceable players on this team. And I think that the Islanders all in all had a good offseason. Jordan Eberle's loss will hurt. Kyle Palmieri's contract could be a little too much. Casey Sezikis might be signed a little too old. Anthony Bovillier and Elias Sorokin might have been signed a little too less. But those are all petty negatives to look at. I think the Islanders and Lou Lamarillo should be very proud of how they got all of their contracts signed. And there are still some other ones to sign. All in all, the Islanders get a B plus this offseason. And now let's look at some of their next moves that they have to make as they enter the next season. So let's move on here to a player that represents 46 years of Islanders history. Let's move on to a player who Lula Amarillo has had his eyes on, not just for a few seasons, but for his entire playing career. Let's move on to a player that will hopefully solve the Islanders' power play issues, solidify their third line, and give the team a veteran presence that they have not had in some time. That is Zach Parise. 
Zach Parise, along with Travis Ajak, Kyle Palmieri, Andy Green is continuing the Devils connection and he will be signing a one-year incentive-laden contract with the New York Islanders. When will it be announced? Who knows? But what we do know is that Zach Parise will be an Islander next season. This will be a really good decision for the Islanders' third line. Because although Parise is 37, he can provide some important scoring depth. Last year was certainly a down year. Seven goals, 11 assists, 18 points. But he still provides a little bit of oomph on the power play. And in his career, he has 393 goals, 417 assists, and 810 points. Sure, it's a depth move. Sure, it might not save the Islanders, but in a vacuum, it is good. And in a vacuum, it represents, as I said, 46 years of history. And that's because the organization has a ton of connections to the Parise family, whether it's Lula Murillo or whether it's the Islanders as a whole, because... On January 5th, 1975, the Islanders acquired J.P. Parise. The Islanders got a player that, at the time, could have taken that team to the next step. That was the intention. Trade for J.P. Parise who was a member of the Minnesota North Stars for nine seasons. He had 154 goals and 292 assists with that team. They were rebuilding. The Islanders say, let's take a flyer on J.P. Parise. Let's see how he does. So the Islanders are on the upswing at that time, similar to how they're on the upswing now. The Islanders took a flyer on J.P. Parise, and Al Arbor's team rewarded themselves with that decision. And that was because Parise had an immediate impact with his team. On that playoff push in 1975, Parise got 30 points in 41 games. And then after making the playoffs, the Islanders were in game five. And in that era, game five was winner take all in the first round. And guess who scored the game winning goal? 11 seconds into overtime, it was J.P. Parise. J.P. Parise was a playoff performer for the Islanders. 16 goals, 18 assists, and 41 playoff games. And the Islanders reached the semifinals of the NHL three times from 1975 to 1977. J.P. Parise was an Islander. He was, in fact, one of the most important Islanders of all time because without him, the Islanders probably don't have the success they do. So... J.P. Parise, Zach Parise, they are connected. And now Zach Parise will look to do the same. The Islanders have just made two consecutive NHL semifinal appearances. Will they continue to do that? Will they go even further? Zach Parise will be a big reason why. J.P. Parise was traded to the Cleveland Barons in 1978. His tenure only lasted a few seasons, but those few seasons were very important. Zach Parise now could have a few important big seasons of his own. And Zach Parise also goes back with Lou Lamarillo because Parise was a talented prospect in the 2003 NHL draft, and he was expected to be a first-round pick. So guess who takes him? New Jersey Devils general manager Lou Lamarillo. And Lamarillo saw him become one of the best players in hockey. 
He scored 410 points in seven years on the Newark team. They were a very, very, very talented team under Zach Parise. And they made a Stanley Cup. 2012, they fell to the Los Angeles Kings. They made the playoffs six times. Zach Parise led that team. And he could have been an Islander sooner because last year at the trade deadline in 2020, there was some rumors that Zach Parise could be heading to the Islanders for Andrew Ladd, Kiefer Bellows, and some other pieces. At that time, Zach Parise had a very big contract. The Wild had eventually bought that contract out, and now he'll be signing as a free agent. But that could have helped the Islanders that season. Do they still trade for J.G. Pajot? Most likely, but I don't know. Now they get their guys signed, both of them, J.G. Pazzo and Zach Parise. So, despite the trade falling through, despite Zach Parise leaving the Devils, despite Zach Parise being a member of the Wild, despite all of these things, he gets bought out, and the Islanders are there to snag him. He was seen practicing in his blue and orange gear. He confirmed to the Athletic that he's coming to Long Island. Islanders fans, get ready. Zach Parise will be on the team next year, and he represents a new era of Islanders hockey, one where people want to come to the Islanders, one where players, fans alike are proud of that blue and orange crest, one where you have someone who is just bought out has a lot of teams gunning for him, and he is coming to the Islanders because that is the team he always wanted to come for. Following through on his father's legacy, reuniting with Lula Amarillo and giving the Islanders a formidable third-line talent to go along with John Gabriel Pajot and possibly Oliver Wallstrom or Kyle Palmieri. I think that, all in all, the Islanders, sure, could have gone out and got a Vladimir Tarasenko. I would have liked Mike Hoffman at the cap hit that the Montreal Canadiens signed him for instead of Kyle Palmieri. They could have gone out and made a big trade, but instead they end up with all of their players retained. They're without Jordan Everly, Nick Letty, and they add Zach Parise. All in all, it's a good trade for the Islanders because Zach Parise will come in, give them a veteran presence, give them a talented player, and hopefully help out their power play. And he fills a big hole for this team. So I'm really excited to watch Zach Parise play on the Islanders. And I think that all in all, it will be a great decision for Lou Lamarillo. Let's conclude this first episode of Believe in Islanders with one final discussion. The Islanders extended Adam Pellick. They got their top defender locked up. They're going to sign Zach Parise. They got their third line locked up. They extended Kyle Palmieri, replaced him over Jordan Eberle. They have their scoring locked up. What do the Islanders not have locked up? What is one decision they still need to make? That is, and if you're a true fan of this team, you know exactly what I'm going to say, the second pair left-hand defenseman. And the reason why the Islanders need to address this situation is because they traded Nick Letty to the Detroit Red Wings for a second round pick and Richard Panic. That was, in my opinion, a wonderful trade. 
in part because I think Nick Letty was deployable. I think that they could have moved him. And I also think that the Islanders getting Richard Panic back and having the Red Wings retain half that contract gives them a really good depth forward they can stash. So in my opinion, it was a great deal. However, that doesn't really address the fact that the Islanders still need to replace Nick Letty's spot. So who's it going to be? Well, there aren't many options. Internally, I think the Islanders have one big option that is going to be the guy. Islanders fans, get ready. We all know what's going to happen. We all know who's going to be the second pair defenseman next season. I think some fans want to ignore it. Some fans think the Islanders will do something else. But there's one guy that has experience, one guy that is a true ambassador of this franchise, one guy that is a solid hockey player and will likely be playing big minutes next year. You know it, Thomas Hickey. I believe, and I will tell you right now, I am going to bet money, if I had to, that Thomas Hickey will be the guy. He hasn't played a regular role with the team in some time, but he was a staple of the blue line in the mid-2010s. He had his big hit against the Tampa Bay Lightning. He had his overtime goals against the Florida Panthers. He even played last season a little bit. And I think that at $2.5 million a year with one year remaining... Thomas Hickey could have been moved. Leo Komarov, one year, $3 million, could have been moved. Both of those players could have been traded. You saw other guys getting traded. The Islanders could have thrown a pick in. Will Butcher, for example, gets traded along with the fifth. There are some guys in this league that have been going with picks and getting traded. Thomas Hickey, Leo Komarov, they could have been moved. Lil Amarillo doesn't want to. Why? Because Leo Komarov will be a depth forward for this team. He'll even be playing. And Thomas Hickey, in my opinion, will be the second pair left-hand defenseman. So that's my prediction. I do think it will be Thomas Hickey. However, if the Islanders decide to pass on Thomas Hickey, Sebastian Ajo could be the guy. Sebastian Ajo showed some skill last year with the Islanders. He scored a big goal in the first game with fans at Nassau Coliseum. He had a really nice play in Newark against the New Jersey Devils when Noah Dobson got COVID and was removed from the game during the pregame warmups and during the ceremony. I think that Sebastian Ajo is a good player and deserves a chance. I don't think Barry Trotz and Lou Lamarilla trust him, but he'd also be someone that can take that spot. And then there's the young kid, Samuel Bulduk. He is a fantastic player. He is a fantastic prospect. Is he young? Yes. But for the Bridgeport Sound Tigers and in juniors, he has really shown a lot. He could also be the guy. And then there are some guys outside of the organization that could potentially be added. Sedano Chara, I would love that, but not at that second pair left-handed defenseman. I'd love him to platoon with Andy Green. Green is 39, Char is 44. I think if you give them each 41 games, for example, it has a well-rested Andy Green going into the playoffs as opposed to last year where he played a lot and could have potentially been tired going into the postseason. So Chara has some history with the Islanders. He could be added. You could also go out and get journeyman Eric Gustafson, the 29-year-old 
scored 17 goals with the Blackhawks three seasons ago. He could probably be signed for league minimum, and I think that he's someone that the Islanders could potentially use on the power play. However, I don't think he provides much defensively, and I don't think he'd fit in a Barry Trot system. There's Sammy Votnin, the 2009 fourth-round pick of the Anaheim Ducks, has 47 career goals, 200 career points. He played with the Stars last season. He also played with the Devils a few seasons before. I think that could he be a guy that's acquired or signed? Maybe, but probably not. So the Islanders don't have many decisions, many options on the free agent market. But what I think they're going to do is play Thomas Hickey. I truly do. The reason is because... Do you want any of those players that I just mentioned as a true part of this team playing legitimate minutes? Probably not. The only one I'd really, really want would be Zidane Char in a platoon role with Andy Green at a league minimum contract. That's really it. The other players available probably cost too much. Hampus Lindholm could maybe cost a first round pick, but at $5 million on an expiring deal, that's a lot of money. The Islanders don't really have that. They'd have to give back Thomas Hickey or Leo Komarov, and a first-round pick and more. So I don't think that's really going to work. However, Lindholm is pretty similar to Letty. They are both good players. Their point totals are similar. Lindholm has dealt with a wrist injury in the past, though. I just don't see it, guys. I think what we're going to see is Thomas Hickey. So get ready, guys. Buckle up. It's Thomas Hickey season on Long Island. That was a wonderful first episode of Believe in Islanders. The motto of this fan base is always believe. So get ready to always believe in this team right here with me on this special new podcast. It's going to be a wild ride. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm very excited to bring such a fantastic new take, a fantastic new look onto this team. And it's a fantastic team to follow because the Islanders are on the rise. They are Stanley Cup contenders. And if you've been a fan for a long time, now is the time to start benefiting because this team could really do it this year. We discussed the Islanders offseason grades. Adam Pellick gets an A+. Kyle Palmieri gets a C. Anthony Bovillier gets a B+. Ilya Sorokin gets an A-. Casey Zizekas gets an A-. All in all, the Islanders earn a B+. We discussed Zach Parise a 46-year connection in the making. And we also discussed the Islanders' left-hand defenseman dilemma. Thomas Hickey, in my opinion, will be the guy. Next week, we are going to talk all about the Islanders-Penguins rivalry. That is what you can expect here on Believe in Islanders. We're not just going to talk about specific things with the team. We're not just going to talk about who won, who lost, who signed, who didn't. We're going to take a unique angle on this team with so many people and so many faces around the NHL world joining me. Next week, we're going to have a very special guest joining me who is a reporter for the Pittsburgh Penguins. You will find out next week who it is because we are going to be discussing how the Islanders over the last few seasons have flipped the narrative and went from being the little punching bag of the Penguins to turning it around and punching back and beating the Penguins in the playoffs two of the last three seasons. Guys, thank you so much for joining me right here on Believe in Islanders. Have a great night, 
and we will talk again soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.